Welcome everyone to the Monday edition of Couch Potato Diary. Thank you all so much for downloading and listening today. We are coming to you from the Clearwater Cleaning Solutions broadcast studio. Clearwater Cleaning Solutions has a competition running until the end of today. They need a name for their new mascot and they want your help. Follow them on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn and help name their mascot by commenting on their post. The winning name will win a free residential cleaning. Check them out. ClearwaterCleaningSolutions.com you can find me on social media, Twitter, Instagram. I am at primetimecline, twitch.tv slash primetimepk. You can also email the show at couchpotatodiary at yahoo.com. Shout out to Waste of Talent for the music. The Super Bowl is set. It is a new era in Canadian soccer and it's free agency in the Canadian Football League. All of that coming up on the show today. We start in the NFL as the Cincinnati Bengals and LA Rams will be playing in this year's Super Bowl. Let's start in the AFC. We'll start where the day started and a lot to cover in this game. We will start with the positives and that is welcome to superstardom Joe Burrow. An unbelievable performance with all of that pressure around him. I I said coming into this game that the main concern I had for Joe Burrow and for the Cincinnati Bengals team was how would they be able to handle having all of that pressure because they were able to survive it against the Raiders where it was basically only Max Crosby getting there. I felt like they... Uh, somehow, some way, got through against the Titans. I thought that was more what the Titans did wrong than the Bengals did right, but Joe Burrow got his ass kicked in that game and kept coming back to his credit. And in this one, I thought that he would still get his ass kicked, but that only scoring 23 points wasn't going to be enough. And it, I mean, just about was. But I thought he handled that pressure like a gosh darn magician. And... That's the reason they're going to the Super Bowl. He had pressure in his face all day, and he was able to account for it basically all day. Uh, An incredible performance. I didn't think they had this in them this year. I thought that they would eventually get to this point, but not, not this year. And the main thing that I keep coming back to with this Bengals team, it starts from the quarterback and it works all the way down. The mental toughness it takes to not give up with your team down by 18 against a juggernaut of a Kansas City Chiefs team. It would have been very easy, down 21-3, to just fold up shop and and go home. And credit to this team, they did not do that. Think of how, back on Burrow, think of how some other quarterbacks have looked in these types of spots, in these types of situations, and how badass Joe Burrow looked in this game. Like, think of Kyler Murray just sitting sitting there on the sidelines, looking like he wants to be anywhere but in that game against the Rams on Monday night during the the wild card round. Think of how some of the young quarterbacks, like Mac Jones, against a very good Buffalo Bills team, but this is against the Kansas City Chiefs, so, you know. Think of how Mac Jones didn't look against the Buffalo Bills and see Joe Burrow. Like, it feels unfair to put those guys in this category, but Joe Burrow, this is his first playoff run, and he is doing this. This is... This is the check in the box for drafting a quarterback that comes from a prestigious school, right? Like, and it, you look on the other side of it, we have no idea how Tua would handle this type of a situation. So like, there's obviously pros and cons to both, but you can just see the experience that Burrow has had playing in all of those big games with LSU and in all of those major moments in the uh, SEC and the, the, the national championship games. 
all of that experience leads you to looking the way he has looked in these big games, in these big types of situations. That is invaluable experience, but you need to have the talent to be able to back it up. And he certainly had the talent and he has the weapons around him. And I, my, my one concern about that is I wonder if this is going to be used to justify some questionable drafting now. Cause I still, it, it's ridiculous to say it now, but like, I still thought at the time that Penny Sewell was the right pick to try to protect this quarterback. And it just turns out like he's just going to survive in spite of a bad offensive line. This team needs to figure out the offensive line going into next year. That That is very clear and obvious. Um, but I wonder if now, like it's already for general managers and for teams trying to sell tickets, it's already sexier to put a star wide receiver on the on the billboard and on the, the front of the, the season ticket booklet and all of that. And then to to the it, it's more sexy to do that than it is to draft an offensive lineman and it gets you more buzz and you get the big draft ratings and it's fun to put the kids in madden and stuff like that like it's just it's more fun drafting wide receivers but it's better for winning if you're drafting quality offensive linemen to protect your young quarterback but i wonder now if there's the well if you just surround them with enough weapons you can outpla- uh, outpass some of your issues on the offensive line and that's that's definitely not it so i again i just want to state for the record how unbelievable this bengal's team is and how just incre- how much fun this must be for a bengal's fan that like i i don't know from my perspective, and again, I'm not a Bengals fan, I wasn't buying that the Bengals could go to the Super Bowl until Patrick Mahomes threw that interception in overtime. Like, that that was the first time I let it go into my mind that, huh, we could have a Super Bowl for the first time in my life featuring the Cincinnati Bengals. That's, that's interesting. Like, that, that never crossed my mind, so I wonder how the Bengals fan is feeling today. Hopefully they've been able to enjoy this ride the whole way. The one you feel bad about is no A.J. Green, right? Like, he, he'd been there for so many bad times, and then to, to not be able to be on this team, it it kind of sucks. But um, so happy for Bengals fans who have been through a lot. Now, there it was not a perfect day for the Cincinnati Bengals. I thought, and this is going to be lost in a lot of this, but I think it needs to be brought up as we get ready for the, the Super Bowl in a couple of weeks. I thought this was an awful coaching job by Zach Taylor. He was consistently putting his young quarterback in tough third down situations. Your job as a, as a coach, especially in this sport, and especially with the team that you have in Cincinnati... Put your quarterback in the best position to succeed. And I feel like the Cincinnati Bengals are in this spot in spite of their coach, not because of their head coach. I think that is very clear. The only creative idea this offensive mastermind had to deal with the pressure that his quarterback was going to face was, oh, the screen game. That is the most, but we do that on Madden here. Like that's something we can figure out. There should be a little bit more to that, but it was, oh no, we're going to, we're going to screen and we're going to run the ball on first and second down so that Burrow has to throw the ball on third and eight. And if we know he has to throw the ball on third and eight, the defense knows that he has to throw the ball on third and eight. So they're just going to be gunning for the quarterback. It just, it put, it put the Bengals in unnecessarily difficult situations all first half. And they got away from it a bit in the second half, but it still wasn't perfect. I, I thought he was awful. I thought he was really, really bad. And that has, he has to be one of the worst coaches going to the Super Bowl since like Bill Callahan. Um, I'm going to have to go through it as the the week goes on. But yeah, he just, I was so, so unimpressed. I thought he was choking this game away. 
um, to be perfectly honest. And that gets to the next part. So we're, we're clearly done with the <laughs> all praise for the Bengals portion of the show. They deserve all of the praise. But let's now get into why they are going to this Super Bowl. A big reason why. They, they still, again, mental toughness. They had to take advantage of the opportunities that were presented to them by Kansas City. But make no mistake about it, the opportunities were presented to them by Kansas City. This is a choke job. That This is 100%. Ah, this is 95% a choke job. And a better coach, maybe you don't even need to go to overtime with how bad the, the Chiefs were. The one issue I feel like this era of Kansas City Chiefs football has had is they really seem to lose focus sometimes. And all the times where we're like, okay, well, let's do something else. Um, that's the times where they kind of feel like, okay, well, let's do something else. And a lot of times they are good enough to overcome some of those issues, but in the AFC Championship game, it's not it. And it feels like that run to the Super Bowl, the first time they win, well, or I guess the only time in this run that they've won, um, where they were down by like 100 against the, the Texans and the Titans, and they came back and won those games. It feels like they feel invincible. And again, 98% of the time, they are. But it just feels like they took their foot off the gas again in this game. And that was something they did in the regular season matchup against the, the Cincinnati Bengals. And they do it again here in the postseason with the game on the line. And they were just never able to, to get out of that. And there's, there is blame to go around. But the first is on Andy Reid. That play call on, at the end of the first half. Like this is, I, I don't think I'm breaking any news here. That changed the game. That was the um, TSN turning point. That was, that was it. You have it shot at the end zone and just like more points makes it a, a full two touchdown game. It's still a two possession game. Like it's not ideal, but I, in that spot, it's, uh, you are losing a bit of the advantage that you gain by going for it in those spots because the other team isn't getting the ball back at the one. Like you, you haven't completely changed the field position thing, but that play call to not just like that, that ball has to just go to the end zone quickly. You have Kelsey, you have Tyree kill who is very fast he can just like just one quick move, open, boom, touchdown. Like that, that's all he needs to do in that spot. I, that, that, that is the one play call you can't do in that situation. And it turned the entire game around. And it was like, quite frankly, it was borderline disrespectful to the Bengals to just assume uh, Tyreek Hill will be able to get in. Like Tyreek Hill in, in open space can do a whole lot of things, but there isn't a whole lot of open space when you're at the goal line. You're kind of boxed in in that spot. But just to assume that Eli Apple or whoever else on the Bengals couldn't make that tackle, I would imagine that's how the, the D coordinator, Lou Anarumo, uh, that, that's probably how he sold it to his locker room in the at the half. Like they, they think so little of you that they're just going to throw it short of the goal line when they don't have any timeouts at the end of the first half. I, I thought that was dreadful. And again, I thought it was disrespectful and it turned the game around. You get three, even three points there. It's a 14 point game at the half. You have the ball coming out in the second half. Like you're, you're looking at that situation. It's 21 to 10 after a very good touchdown run on, uh, on, I, I criticized it before, but on a screen pass. So it, it does work sometimes, but you have the Bengals with a bit of life. And just getting those, like being able to march down, getting those points at the end, feels like it could just get a bit of the air out of that balloon. But now you got a team fired up going to half. They can sell the, these guys don't think you can beat them. Let's go out and show them. Like this was, it, it was just, it was an opportunity to let the Bengals back in the game that they didn't need. You get points on either side of that half and the game is over. You kick a field goal there, you go up by 14. Even if, um, who knows with the momentum and all of that, because they get a three and out at the end of the, the first or at the, the start of the second half and it's game on. But if you get field goals on either side of that, then it's all of a sudden a 17 point game and it just, it feels over. But this, this felt very 
Andy Reid. We've got away from that over the last little bit because of the uh, success he has had. Uh, That's an interesting flip. Um, Because of the success he has had. But this was a vintage Andy Reid performance in the worst way. That was an awful play call. There were no adjustments made when the Bengals were dropping a bunch back into coverage. And I get like a lot of times it's easy for us to just yell, adjustments, make adjustments. But there was nothing. And it, it felt like, again, it was too reliant on... It was too reliant on, well, we have Patrick Mahomes and Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey, so we'll be fine. We'll, we'll, we'll just, we'll figure it out. But, like, you, you think of the success that they have, again, tricky word, um, that they have with Kelsey, and it's not crazy play design, it's Kelsey finds a hole and he just sits there. And when they're dropping eight, sometimes nine, in the coverage, there aren't as many holes for Kelsey to just find a spot. That this was, again, a game where... Andy Reid needed to to do a little bit more coaching, and Andy Reid needed to just guide his team, even a little bit. If he does that, they're playing for the Super Bowl. I thought that this was, again, a very, very poorly coached game, where even if he's just an average coach, I think they win this game. The other part of the blame, I think, has to go on Patrick Mahomes. Um, don't throw that pass to Tyreek Hill. And I get that was probably the entire play design, but... You, you just, you can't make that throw. And also, he had no answer for what the Bengals were doing in the second half. He was holding onto the ball way too long. There, there was just, again, when you have a team that has had the success that the, Chiefs, that the Chiefs have had for so long with this group, it is easy to just, we'll be able to out-talent everything. But th- there were just, there, there were times where if, I this is going to make me sound so fucking old, but if they would have played just a little bit, a touch more traditionally, it would have been great. You know what it kind of reminded me of? It, it reminds me of the, like the podcast, um, the podcast field and the, the podcast as a, a way of broadcasting compared to traditional media. You have a lot of people and like one of the things that Joe Rogan will talk about a lot, um, I mean, a lot of things he talks about, but he'll talk about like the, the best way to, to get information out is these long form discussions. And when you can only have interviews for five, 10, 15 minutes, you, you don't really get to go into whether it be um, like a, a biography type of an interview. You don't really get to go into a person's full story in five minutes. If you're looking to get valuable information out, you don't really get a lot of that out in five or 10 minutes. It's much better to have long form discussions. The Kansas city chiefs offense are the long form discussions where it's just, it goes against everything that traditional football has done for forever. Mahomes holds the ball for 45 seconds. He scrambles around. He throws off of his wrong foot backwards across the field and it ends up working. Like they do, they do a lot of unconventional shit that just seems to work for them. The problem is, and the one thing that someone said, it was like, I guarantee you a three and a half hour interview could be better in a two hour format. There are some times where that is not the case and the Kansas City Chiefs prove that, but there are some times where if the Kansas City Chiefs just did regular football shit, it would be a little bit better instead of Mahomes holding onto the ball and 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 just trying to evade the pressure and eventually they got to him. And there was a couple of very costly sacks in that game. So this was one where the Kansas City Chiefs, a lot of times the long form is good. Sometimes you need an editor. And this is again where Andy Reid comes in. Andy Reid needed to be that editor to just, let's tighten things up a little bit. Maybe we don't need to go 15 minutes on a story about a bike when you were six. Maybe we can cut that part out and still get the nuts and bolts of this interview. Force metaphor, probably not perfect, but I'll, I'll work it out. This looked like the Chiefs team from... 
earlier in the season when we thought the league had figured them out, when some had thought the league had figured them out. This was this was bad. And again, that that game was there for them the entire game, and they just never figured it out in the second half, and that's why they aren't going to Los Angeles for the Super Bowl. In the NFC, the Rams are going as they finally get the better of the 49ers. And we were all watching this game, and I know a lot of you were thinking, like, maybe maybe the 49ers just have the Rams number, because the Rams didn't look great. 49ers didn't look awesome either. This game, not a well-played football game, but exciting. And again, everyone talking about, oh, wow, this was such a great weekend. Oh, well, it wasn't the most well-played football. Like, hey, fuck off. These games were fun. But B, like, sometimes when you have close games... You're, it's not going to be 49-47 at the end. This, I thought this was a great game. The Rams just could not get anything going. And the weird part about a lot of this game was I thought each team was using the game plan that the other should be using. The 49ers barely got anything going in the run game, and I thought that would be a major part of their their style going in because look at their quarterback and we will in a second. And I thought the Rams relied on the run way more than they should have. And then one team adjusted. And that was, uh, I almost called them St. Louis. Jeez. Uh, that was LA. This is something we talked about earlier on in the season. Players over plays. It ended up costing Kansas city admittedly. Um, cause they were just like, get Tyree kill the ball and figure it out. But this was in when the comeback started, it was Cooper cup and it was Aldo Beckham jr. Like, let's just, we have some other very talented players on the team, and that's fantastic, but if we are going to lose, let's at least lose giving it our A1 shot. And they did that, and they ended up coming back, and they ended up winning this game. And that was, I, I think that can be a lesson for some teams too. While Kansas City was maybe a little too reliant on, ah, just get these guys the ball and they'll figure it out. When you have When you have that, but you also have the structure around it, which the Rams did, Good things can happen, and good things are happening for this Rams team, and you feel really good about it. I, th There are a lot of players on this team that I'm excited for. I'm happy that for the next couple of weeks, the national spotlight is going to be on Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup, as they deserve. Aaron Donald, probably the best player in the National Football League right now, and Cooper Cup, probably the best receiver in the NFL right now. Um, and this has the potential, it already has, I think, a little bit. Changed the narrative on Matt Stafford a little bit. Not that his narrative was in as bad a shape as it's been for some other guys, because there are some guys who do, like, Matt Stafford, I think, deserves maybe a bit more of the blame for what's happened uh, with Detroit in his time and just what's happened with his career. Never really um, surrounded with the best of teams, so you can kind of forgive him for that. But he was one where... <laughs> It was just like, oh yeah, he's really, really good, but the teams around him aren't great, and now like, who knows what he can do in these playoff games. He has had some major moments in winning time situations. I'm not going to use that that c word, um, but like when they when the Rams need their quarterback to step up and make a big play, he has. You think about the collapse against Tampa Bay. None of that was on Matthew Stafford, and that pass to to Cooper Cup at the end of the game to seal it. That's Matthew Stafford. This comeback, Matthew Stafford. So I, I think this is. He is finally getting to show after, what is it, 13 years in the league? He's finally getting to show what he can be as a winning time quarterback. Also, I think we've established the issues in quarterback. Weren't Odell Beckham Jr.? Hmm? Maybe that was ridiculous and just an easy scapegoat because we all think of the guy as a diva. And look, I like I would probably want him on my team. He's an, he, he is still very good. Is he best receiver in the league anymore? Well, no. But is he a great compliment to the best receiver in the league? You Bet your ass he is. He has been phenomenal 
on this team. And he is a large, this team does not get to the Super Bowl without him, especially after Robert Woods went down. Th this team doesn't get this far without Odell Beckham Jr. and what he has been able to do. Uh, what, what, what he's been able to do. Wow. What he's been able to do. Sean McVay needed this. Like, they went all in, and it has paid off. They are hosting the Super Bowl. They And we're, we're going to get into how are these teams built a little bit later on this week, um, or in the build-up to the Super Bowl anyway. And for for the Rams, like, that, this, this is not a draft-and-develop team. This is a, we have a lot of talented players everywhere. Let's keep, let, let's just try to buy this window, um, buy our way into keeping this window as, as open as we can for as long as we can. And they, they've done that, and they're now in the Super Bowl. It's it's going to be an interesting look. I'm excited to, to do a bit of a deeper dive into it this week. Uh, this was a tough one for Jim, uh, for old Jim Garoppolo, for Jimmy G. Also, for Jeff Garcia. If you're unaware of the Jeff Garcia situation, uh, the former Calgary Stampeder quarterback, and uh, more prominently known probably as a San Francisco 49er quarterback, was with the Raiders for a minute too. Um he was fed up with the criticism around Jimmy Garoppolo and decided to lash out. The issue is that with everyone saying the same thing, his focus just so happened to be on Mina Kimes, the female in the room, who was saying the same thing that prominent male figures were saying who had played and hadn't played, but he decided he needed to focus on Mina Kimes saying, you don't know what it takes to be a winning quarterback. You've never been in that situation, which most of us haven't, but again, let's just focus on the woman in the room. Um, like just embarrassing, embarrassing, telling on yourself type of stuff, um, from Jeff Garcia. And then Jimmy Garoppolo had the ball with two minutes left and a chance to win the Super Bowl. Here's how you know Jimmy Garoppolo ain't it. When you look on Twitter, when Burrow gets the ball, or when Mahomes gets the ball, or even when Stafford gets the ball, or again, last week with Josh Allen, or Aaron Rodgers, or when the top-tier quarterbacks get the football with the game on the line, a lot of times the narrative on social media is, oh, gave him too much time. If anyone was saying that last night around Jimmy Garoppolo, they were dripping in sarcasm. No one was saying, man, gave Jimmy Garoppolo too much time. Not a soul. And you know what? He failed. The offensive line had issues, but this is what you want. When you want to prove to the doubters that you can be a quarterback that can win it for your team instead of just being along for the ride, when you want to prove that this team made a mistake giving up basically their entire draft to get your replacement, go out and win the game. At least move the ball. They had a couple disaster drives when they were trying to um, like put this game away late. And that is, that is Jimmy Garoppolo. When things are going well, he is very good at handing the ball off. And he is good at just quick over the middle, Kittle, Debo, let's just keep the change moving. But when you need a guy, when you need your quarterback to win you a game, he's not that dude. He is a starting NFL quarterback that there is no question. He, he will find a job. He's just not that guy. And it was cute that he made it to the Super Bowl only throwing six times. But now you're seeing why they only had him throwing it six times in that Super Bowl. And again... There are different ways to win in this sport. The only reason we're going so hard on Jimmy Garoppolo today is because y'all went so hard coming back at us. And specifically at a target that it's very convenient that you decided to go at. If you're going to do that, you best not miss. And Jimmy Garoppolo did what Jimmy Garoppolo has done almost best throughout his entire career. And that's missed. The 
music that you hear on Couch Potato Diary is provided by Wasted Talent. Find them on Instagram at Wasted Talent with X's where the A's would be. And also find their producer on Instagram at Tommy Fresh Music. What a week it's been for Canadian soccer. It has been so much fun these last few days seeing everyone excited to see the number of Canadians who are tweeting about the game during an NFL playoff game. That was really exciting to to see as well. And like I'm not going to do an X's and O's breakdown of this. Um, Milan Borian in goal for Canada. Some unbelievable stops these last couple of games. That has, it's just, this is... This is sport-defining stuff, and Borion, a, a huge part of that, and then you get a couple of key goals. Like, it, it's... You, you have a number of players stepping up, turning into to household names. Like, this is this is sports-defining stuff. This is Christine Sinclair and the rest of this women's team um, kind of bursting onto the spotlight. This is Mike Weir at the Masters. This is Vince Carter in the dunk contest. This is Steve Nash's MVP season. This is the, the, the Cassie Campbell, Pascal... Uh, Haley Wickenheiser era women's hockey teams bursting into the the national consciousness. This is the stuff that creates entire generations of fans that sets the sport up for decades to come. And it's a moment that Canadian soccer has desperately needed in the social media era. And they are now right there there's i think four four things have to play out for canada to clinch a world cup spot um when qualifying picks up again on wednesday but this this now seems like a lock that canada is going to be going to the world cup and i never ever ever thought i'd be saying that and they're doing this with no alfonso davies and his reactions on twitch it it has been just chef's kiss amazing what what he has done on social media it's it's almost made it just much more entertaining and you can it what's great about it is that it shows that soccer can be fun and it kind of it's kind of an instructional of how you can be a crazed soccer fan uh in the best way you know there's bad ways of being able to do it but um it's yeah it's like um a soccer fan 101 how into it and how exciting it's been so it's, it's been it's just been so great and i i would love to say yeah i've been down since day one man um i haven't been i like you cheer for him and stuff like that but i'm i'm not like locking into World Cup qualifying games where they're getting shit kicked by Honduras or anything like that. I, I'm very much on the bandwagon. And for the people like the the Sandra Persinas who um, who have been on this train the whole time, I, I hope you're enjoying the hell out of it because it's awesome to see. Uh, last one for today is the Canadian Football League. Free agency has now opened up and one of the big ones, at least at the time of this recording, is Lamar Durand to the Hamilton Tiger Cats. This is a massive move, I think, for Hamilton. They needed a guy like this. They needed it with Brandon Banks on the roster. Now that Speedy B is going elsewhere, they need this type of guy again. And you wonder, are they going to look for that like quick, speedy playmaker or are we seeing um, kind of a new era of Hamilton Tiger Cats offense? But this is... This is the type of guy that this team needed. When we talked about it with Justin Dunk at the end of the, the Great Cup, this is the type of player that they needed. I'm not saying he is the difference maker, but this is the guy that they've missed for the last two Great Cups. I, I think that this is a great job of recognizing a weakness and attacking it. I still think they need one more kind of, like, not dude dude, but uh, I think they need another guy, and they need to show up that offensive line now. But a good start to free agency for Hamilton. For the BC Lions, they look like they're loading up. Reports are they're going big on Kenny Lawler, who I like a lot, um, to potentially add him to an already pretty good receiving core in BC. This is going to be an interesting kind of look at team building for the BC Lions. Clearly, like 
Nathan Rourke is the guy because with, with these types of signings, you just can't afford to go out and get Jeremiah Masoli for for, uh, for $400,000 or make that type of a, a big splash. So to me, this is going to be one of the most interesting teams in the Canadian Football League to watch because forever it's been like you need the star quarterback and then hope that you have some good pieces around him to, uh, to, to help kind of build around that. And now you have all the pieces built around. You have a, a pretty good run game. Um, there are pieces on that defense that you like, but this receiving core is very good, but you have an unproven quarterback. They are giving this kid all the help that he could need. Now let's see if Nathan Rourke can go out and do it. That's going to be all they're going to be so interesting to watch. Out here in Calgary, uh, Kadeem Carey signs with the Stampeders. It's one of the biggest contracts given to an American running back in a long time. And that doesn't seem like a note that's on John Huffnagel's resume, does it? Like that this this is very unstamps-like. But I also think that this is kind of a recognition of where the stamps are right now. That this to me kind of signals that they know that Bo is going to need some help. And that's not that that is not a shot at Bo. I don't even think that's a bad thing to say, hey, maybe this guy isn't one of the top three players in the league anymore is not the insult that it maybe comes across as. I still think that Bo is a good quarterback in the Canadian Football League, but he is not win games on his own guy anymore. They now need a little bit more help from the run game. Maybe they, they, they probably need a little bit more help in the, the receiving game as well, but they certainly needed more help in the run game. Kandim Carey can do that. So uh, again, I, I think this is just a, an interesting note on where the Stampeders appear to be heading with Bo Levi Mitchell and then maybe beyond Bo Levi Mitchell as well. My last one today, I think I said last one going in the CFL and I lied. Holy crap that I had some issues with Sportsnet this weekend. Um, and look, like I, I don't feel like I've been guy who was laid off from Sportsnet and now is raining um, hellfire down on Rogers. I still love all the people who I worked with. I want nothing but all the success in the world for them. But when the company screws up, your boy's going to mention it. Will he do it with a bit more of a smile on his face? Maybe. But uh, this has nothing to do with 960, by the way. This has to do with Sportsnet uh, all the way to the top. Trying to watch the Royal Rumble on Saturday was one of the most frustrating television watching experiences I have had. We are uh, cable cutters here. I've talked about that before. We have signed up through the Sportsnet site for Sportsnet Now. So can still get all the NHL, NBA, all the stuff that Sportsnet Now provides. And I thought they had one of the better apps out there for a bit. And then they updated it and it's been dog shit since. But Saturday night was the pinnacle for me of the dog shittiness where for... Five hours we were watching the Royal Rumble and I don't know if we got 30 seconds straight of clean video. It was buffering. It was loading. It was everything the whole time. And when your main thing is, well, you don't want to deal with the buffering of all those other illegal websites. That can't be something that happens. And this is quite honestly embarrassing for a company that is trying to be the number one sports outlet in this country. They have the Stanley Cup. They have Toronto Raptors basketball and the NBA playoffs and all 162 games of the Toronto Blue Jays. They have all of the media stuff in the world to not figure out how to do a stream on a Saturday night for a wrestling show. It was it was embarrassing and there's no excuse for it. Absolutely no excuse. And then to hear the people are having troubles again on the Sunday for the, the for the soccer again, like you just you can't do it. You, you absolutely can't do it. Um, so just an absolutely embarrassing weekend for Sportsnet. When I tweeted out, like, I 
we finished the rumble about an hour late because it just took forever with all the buffering and with everything like that. And I tweeted it out and people were saying, Oh, you're an idiot. Why would you go with them? Why not go to these other streaming sources that you can just pirate these things from the one thing you have over these other options is like clear video quality, probably not going to get a virus from them. And it's going to be a clean stream the whole night that that is the edge you have. Cause otherwise I don't have to pay 25 bu- or 20 bucks a month or whatever the hell I'm paying right now for one of these illegal stream sites. I can just pop on over there for free. I, I do it because I like to support Canadian media and I do it because I like to I, I like support people who are supporting professional wrestling and supporting sports in this country. But God damn, did they make it difficult to support them on Saturday night. That's going to do it for Couch Potato Diary today. Again, uh, Clearwater Cleaning Solutions has a competition running. Today is the last day. They need a name for their new mascot and they want your help. Follow them on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn and help name their mascot by commenting on their post. The winning name will win a free residential cleaning. If you want to get in touch with me, I am on social media. On Twitter and Instagram, I am at PrimetimeKlein, twitch.tv slash PrimetimePK. You can email the show, CouchPotatoDiary at Yahoo.com. The music that you're listening to, provided by Wasted Talent. There are X's in their name where the A's would be. They're on Instagram, at Wasted Talent. So that is at W-X-S-T-E-D-T-X-L-E-N-T. And find their producer on Instagram, at Tommy Fresh music general history podcast with myself and my wife we had no idea comes out every wednesday morning find that show on instagram at we had no idea podcast hoping to do a bunch on twitch this week got two more podcasts on here coming up gonna be a fun week talk to you guys later i am out